Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. My guest this week is Sophia Ariano. She's an endometrius warrior, advocate, invisible illness scholar, endometriosis lecturer, and student of hard knocks dealing with this disease. She is the founder of Endo Goddess, a startup advocacy page aimed at breaking the stigma on talking about endometriosis and all the things that follow the disease, both physically and mentally. Endo Goddess provides endo warriors with current information about the disease, validations of typical and atypical symptoms, and communication tips for advocating for yourself to healthcare professionals. Endo Goddess shares the belief that you can have a life with endometriosis. By sharing stories about treatment and options with this disease, she's developed a community based on taking back power, both physically and mentally, from endometriosis. Sophia shares some of her own personal story with us and this incredibly difficult disease. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Thanks again to all of you listeners and subscribers and followers on social media. I feel like this topic is once again so important when we are dealing with health issues to feel empowered on our journey through whatever the difficulty might be. Hi, Sophia. Thank you so much for joining us on the Woman Warriors podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Oh my goodness. Well, just so the audience knows that we tried this once before and it, my, my microphone was not performing properly. So we're back again and hopefully second time's a charm so we can share this wonderful conversation with the, the Woman Warriors audience. Could you uh, share with the audience a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this journey of you know, working to bring some awareness around endometriosis. Sure. So, hi everyone. I'm Sophia <laughs> Ariano. I'm a native of the Bay Area. Um, I have been experiencing symptoms of endo since I was around 12, um, mm. and it's impacted my life greatly in ways that I think when you're a child and you just never really foresee, you know? Um, sure. So it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, you know? Endometriosis is a very common disease. It occurs in what is speculated to be around 1 in 10 women, although many of the symptoms of endo are not widely known, even by doctors and specialists, because there's not too much current research on it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
generally what can be agreed upon is that it starts at menstruation, very, very painful cycles and overall pelvic and back pain um, in anybody with a female reproductive system. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it affects more people than diabetes. And yet, you know, people go, huh? Endo what? What is that? You have what? Yeah. And they've never heard of it, you know? Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's not talked crazy. about much. It is. It's not for, for one in 10 women to be struggling with this. And just two. So I've heard your interview on the podcast, I think the V word, and I was just so struck by your story and your authenticity around it that I thought my audience would appreciate you being on our podcast too. But it, it's, it's hard for me to understand that, you know, how this can be such a common experience for women. And yet... Mm-hmm. There's so little still, you know, not that much known about it. And still, it's so hard to diagnose. Yeah, you know, it's endometriosis is really, it's, it's a very insidious disease because it is so misunderstood and because it carries such shame around it. Yeah. Um, I think especially in communities of color. Um, talking about your reproductive system and having to tell people, hey, I actually have to go lay down because I just bled through a super tampon in 10 minutes Mm. um, and I'm lightheaded. You know, like that's considered really gross. Like that's not something you announce to your family members. I mean, you you might be able to tell your mom in private, but um, yeah, it's, it's and it's embarrassing. I mean, if you're experiencing that when you first start your period, some girls get it very young, 10 or 11. How are you supposed to communicate that when yeah. you don't even know that's a thing? If you just think that's how your period is and if that pain is just normalized for you, you don't think there's anything wrong with you. You just think you're weak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because um, – well, yeah. and so much of – the message that you heard was you just have to get used to your period. You need to, I mean, this is what I'm remembering from your story, right? That that yes. this is something that you just have to figure out how to deal with. And yet the symptoms were crazy and painful and debilitating. Oh yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I remember going to the doctor and my mom telling the gynecologist, hey, her periods are, or I think maybe it was my pediatrician at that point. <laughs> right. Probably. Hey, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Wow. It's actually really crazy to remember. Um, mm. Hey, her periods are really bad. Like she like gets horrible diarrhea. She can't eat. She's crouched in the fetal position all day. She throws up. Mm. I have to give her so many painkillers for her just to walk around. And more so than that, it was just the level of blood I was losing was crazy. And I was tiny, you know, I'm, I'm five, two on a good day, <laughs> five, one and a half normally, you know, and at 12, what was I? I don't know, under a hundred pounds. It's just too much. So, yeah. um, I think the doctor probably at that point referred me to go see a gynecologist, but when I went there, they just, it was a man. He just said, oh, you know, she'll get used to it. She's going to grow into it. Her body's going to be able to handle it. And mm. in the meantime, yeah, just make sure you give her some ibuprofen. 
but it was horrible. You know, I had to miss probably a week of school every month because I couldn't get up off of the couch. My mom would have to leave me at my grandma's house while she went to work. And my grandma would have to feed me beans and juice on the couch to keep my iron levels up. Wow. Wow. So, <laughs> so it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. So if for people who maybe don't know what endometriosis is, could you kind of at least give us an idea of what some of the symptoms are, which you've described some of them, but yeah, just for the general audience who maybe don't know that much about it. Sure. Okay. So endometriosis is a condition. Um, It's very common and there are just theories about how it starts and why it's present. Nobody knows for sure, but really what they think happens, again, just a theory, is that um, the endometrial lining, so that's the lining of the uterus, Uh, becomes displaced. So they don't know how it gets displaced. That's kind of still a mystery. But it gets displaced in other places of the body. So for example, when I had my most recent recent surgery for stage four endo, I had tissue behind my uterus, on my bowels, all over my abdominal cavity. Mm. Um, Is of that tissue being on people's lungs? So um, crazy. In the rectum. Mm. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> the doctor told me it looked like a bomb went off inside my pelvis. And, wow. And that tissue causes a lot of inflammation and pain. And it, mis- it uh, what's the word? I think it's called mestasizes. Oh, metastasizes. Yeah. Metastasizes. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It yeah. metastasizes like cancer. Right. So it's it's really scary, you know, and it's not it won't kill you, but it can, it make- can cause infertility and a ton of pain and if not properly treated it can lead to nerve pain and it's speculated that it can it might be able to even turn into an autoimmune disease. They just don't know. Wow. So um yeah, it's really intense. It's um, so intense because like my understanding from, you know, I guess whenever I heard about it years ago, probably during my childbearing years, and like I was like, okay, so it can travel outside your uterus onto your ovaries. And like that was horrifying enough. But then to think about that it could be anywhere really in your your upper body, in your torso, you know, internal on any yeah. of your organ organs. Any of your organs. It can be in your stomach. I mean, so one of the, so symptoms kind of vary with endo because it depends where your tissue is. Right, right. So, um, so, you know, it starts with, you know, as I mentioned earlier, really heavy, painful periods, and then that can lead to back pain. I used to have a lot of thigh pain, but the thing about it is that as it progresses, symptoms can change. So maybe you'll have random spot bleeding. Maybe you'll get endo belly, which is something that a lot of endo warriors deal with. Your stomach gets so bloated that you look like you're pregnant because all that tissue that's making your insides stick together is just inflamed and pushing all of your insides out. It's oh, so my gosh. oh my um, gosh. <laughs> and it's hilarious too, of course, because, you know, people with endo are very fearful of infertility, not being able to have kids. So then how ironic is it that now you have to look down at your belly and you're like, great. 
And sometimes it gets so bad, you walk around, people are like, oh, are you expecting? And you're like, no, I'm not expecting. Mm. It's so rude. <laughs> but, you know, they don't know. So you just got to put on moving. <laughs> they don't. But too, as you said, like if there's so much concern and worry, but also just this sense of like my body is kind of out of control. Like I can't make this stop happening. It's frightening. Right. Right. And um, so it's often the pain can be cyclical, um, mm-hmm. especially if it's first starting. I think women who've had endo for years tend to be in a maybe consistent amount of pain more, but um, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it's first starting out, it can be pain around your cycle or pain with ovulation. Yeah. Um, and how about with like intercourse? Can it be that? Can it that? If, can oh yeah, it that's, that's a big one. That's a yeah. big one. Yeah. Pain with intercourse, pain with intimacy, yeah. um, which is just <laughs> equally depressing in its own oh, right. And that's also something that is very hard to talk to with doctors about because if you're talking about pain with intimacy, often as doctors, they associate it with a trauma. So instead of actually listening to your physical symptoms, as they did with me, <laughs> they mm-hmm. will refer you to a therapist and a psychiatrist. Um, I was having a ton of pain with intercourse um, once I started dating. And I remember I went to my doctor and he said, well, you're clearly very depressed. And if it really is hurting you that much, there's actually no medical reason. Mm. So you must have some sort of trauma. I want you to go to a therapist. And then my therapist picked up this weird memory I had as a child and devised this whole scenario where she hypothesized to me that I had been really violently sexually assaulted by one of my boyfriends. Oh my gosh. This was when I was 16. So I believed her, right? So I grew up my whole life thinking I was crazy and that I, you know, recently found out I had stage four endometriosis and that all those years of me thinking I was crazy actually were just physicians not believing me. And that infuriated me to the point where I was like, I've been so silent about my symptoms for so long because I've been so embarrassed. And I've carried this huge chip on my shoulder because I thought I was crazy, but Mm. really I'm just sick. And nobody took a second to actually help me. So, oh, that's just so horrifying and sad and frustrating and makes me angry just hearing about it. But tell us a little bit, if you don't mind, about what that, you know, actually how hard that was for you to get the diagnosis to be believed and, you know, honored that there really was something happening internally that it wasn't either all in your head or it wasn't from some trauma that your therapist decided was part of what the problem was? Yeah. So I really, to be honest, I just got lucky. Like that is how I got my diagnosis because I got incredibly lucky because the, (laughs) the process of getting somebody just to listen to me for more than five minutes about how painful things were getting for me was ridiculous. So it started with my mom taking me to the doctor about the painful periods. Okay. They -hmm. recorded, I had painful periods. They put me on birth control. I think when I was 14, So I've been on hormones since I was 14 years old. First, they were trying to make my cycle less painful and lighter. Um, They put me on Ocella, and that gave me really bad mood swings. 
and mm. made me gain a lot of weight and gave me the most like tender boobs of my life. It oh, was really geez. weird. So I switched to another one, which also gave me horrible mood swings. So, you know, trying to navigate from a young age what hormones to take to alleviate my symptoms has been so, so tricky, especially when you're so young and you have so many hormones of your own. And Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of unclear how synthetic hormones mess with the hormones of teenagers who are still developing and our pH balance is all different. So it's impossible for us to have similar reactions to hormones. I mean, everybody's experience is going to be a little bit different. Right. Right. But to be so young and have all your hormones like raging anyway, because you're going through puberty and then to have this additional tack on of artificial hormones or whatever to help you with the pain and the periods. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Um, so that was kind of through high school. I was just always on birth control. And then it got to the point where it really wasn't helping my periods anymore. So they just had me consistently on hormones. So I never got a period at all. Mm. And I did that for years. But I noticed that with that, it just was causing other issues for me as well. Like for about... For about a year, I was getting recurrent yeast infections, mm. like every month, like clockwork. And oh, I had never horrible. gotten that before hormones. So it was the most embarrassing thing. I had to go to my doctor every, like every two weeks, basically, and tell him like, hey, I feel weird. Something's off. And he would go into really humiliating questions about my sexual history. He would oh. give me STD tests. He'd give me STI tests. He'd ask me how many partners I'd had. Wow. And, and were you yeah. even having sex at that point? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and so nobody knew what was wrong with me. They just thought I was lying about being super promiscuous. Oh, gosh. So I think that started happening when I was around 17 and my pelvic pain wasn't going away. So it was suggested I should go to a therapist. Right. And I did. And then they did that thing with me where they were like, okay, well, we have to put you on antidepressants because clearly you've had some sort of traumatic event. Oh my gosh. Maybe not. Maybe you're just depressed because nobody's helping you figure out what's wrong with you. Right. Or because you have a constant yeast infection and people right. are being really mean to you. And because you bleed out like a gallon of blood every day of your period. Right. <laughs> you know, at yeah. some point something's got to give, right? So, oh you gosh. know, eventually when I did start having sex and it did hurt, I actually started believing my therapist because I was like, you're, they're right. There's no reason this should be hurting. Maybe something did happen. So no. it became a large part of my identity. And once I did start having sex and I was having negative experiences of just being in so much pain and just thinking it was normal and it physically exhausting me to have sex for like a few hours afterwards because it was just excruciating. Right. Yeah. I just kind of was like, what gives? It has to be something. So at that point, I think I was around 19, I got the Mirena IUD mm -hmm. and that broke me out into cystic acne. I lost 15 pounds, you oh know, not necessarily a bad thing, but I was still a little bit too thin. Mm -hmm. And although it stopped my periods, it made me even more achy. So wow. 
it was just kind of always something. And mm -hmm. so finally, that was kind of my last option. And I really wanted to get it out. And that's when my doctor told me, hey, like, if you're not going to use the Mirena, we have to try Depo-Lupron. And tell us I was a little like, bit about what that is. So Depo-Lupron Depo is a medicine they give to men with prostate cancer mm. <laughs> to treat it. And for some reason, they have found that it is okay to give it to women with endometriosis to put them into a chemically forced menopause to completely stop their cycle. But in many people who have taken it, it has resulted in extreme side effects such as hair loss, bone loss density, and tooth loss. Oh, and God. doctors don't know how to use it correctly. So side effects are not minimal. Hmm, that sounds um, terrible than you know, almost worse than having endometriosis. Although I don't know if it is, but that sounds well, the that's side the effects. Thing, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's it's controversial. I mean, amongst endo warriors, the consensus is no. But then there's a few people who have a really good experience with it, and you know, I have to honor them as well. I of course haven't gone on it, but they also have been to see doctors who know what they're doing and probably have had similar results before and know how to properly manage side effects. Right, right, right. You know, so with any medication, it comes down to the side effect management. And if you're not even willing to acknowledge that something could potentially be a side effect of a drug you're administering, then how are you able to then properly care for a patient? Yeah, yeah. So uh, at that point, I was like 20. I was like, well... I don't want to go into menopause. I feel uncomfortable going into menopause, especially if it means I'm never going to get my cycle back. Because in some cases, so the side effects are like hot flashes, hair loss, migraines. Um, wow. Just, of course, full, like, full menopause, like no period at all, vaginal dryness mood swings. Right. All the, all the wonderful things that come with menopause. And yet... You're only 20 years old. Right. And I'm like, is this actually better than what I'm already experiencing? Like, what are the pros of this? Like, right. you want to shoot me up with this, but like, what is this actually going to do for me besides stopping my periods? We already stopped my periods with the birth control before. So that was, you know, an option given to me at that point. I declined. And my doctor said, okay, well, listen, you're either going to take the Depo-Lupron or you're just going to continuously be in pain. And then that's something you then have to manage. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's really my last option. He's like, yes. So basically like, like washing my hands, this is, you know, you're choosing not to do this. There's nothing more we can do. Right, because it's a process. I mean, you get an injection and the minimum it's in your body is for three months. And that's if your metabolism is excellent and you don't experience any of the BS I hear about it staying in your body much longer than that. There's people who have been offered this shot for years and they still don't feel normal. Oof. And Depo Lupron in men um, has been shown to create forgetfulness too. I mean, brain fog is a thing. So it's not just affecting your body, it's affecting your mental. Right. And yeah. I feel like with endometriosis, you have to identify it as a full body disease because when you are in that much pain, it affects all the nerves in your body. And when your hormones are fluctuating that intensely, it is affecting your brain. And oh so gosh. with these hormonal treatments, it's like, 
what about that aspect as well? And right. it's all so shame inducing because how are you supposed to say like to somebody you don't know, Hey, I have all these embarrassing things, things going on with me and I'm depressed. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm depressed. And even if I tell you, you might not believe me. You look manic and then they send you off. Oh, oh, oh. So, so you know, sad. I politely declined and he kind of shook his head and sent me on my way. And at this time, I want to say, oh, I must have not been 20 because I didn't get my official endometriosis diagnosis till I was 22. Okay. So I think I must have been, oh, yeah. So I was like 22 when this happened. Oh, wow. And then, um, so finally I was like, hey, I need you to give me a surgery because my pain got so, so, so bad. Yeah. And, you know, he wouldn't do it. So, so you, know, you were, you, yeah, you were like, okay, if I have endometriosis, my symptoms are this bad, I need the surgery, which is one of the things that can actually help, right? Right. And so at that point, I didn't, I wasn't even formally diagnosed. So he started suggesting Depo-Lupron to me before I was officially diagnosed with endometriosis. Wow. So it was, it was suspected endo, but it wasn't until 22 that I actually convinced him to open me up and take a look. And that's when he told me after my first surgery, I was diagnosed with stage one and two endo. Mm -hmm. So the classifications go one, two, three, four. One is the least severe, like with your eye and with a microscope and with, with however they judge it, they see the least amount of tissue. Okay. But oftentimes the stages vary because physicians don't know what they're looking for because the tissue of endometriosis looks so much different. Like it can vary greatly. Some lesions are yellow, some are clear, some are red, some are pink. Yeah. Um, They're not used to looking for the different types, then they may not know how bad it is. Right. Right. So that's when he actually confirmed I had it because I got, I got to a point where I was so overwhelmed with all my symptoms and I knew that it wasn't all just in my head. Mm -hmm. And the people I were dating were realizing it wasn't in my head. My family was realizing it wasn't in my head. And um, I mean, but I had to beg. And so oh he did God. finally confirm it. But he said, as I thought, if you want to treat this, you have to take Depo-Lupron. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of felt like the whole surgery was in vain because I felt vindicated. Yet I also felt defeated because... Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yes, you actually have something wrong with you, but there's no cure. There's nothing we can do unless you have your shots. Wow. But it's a hard pill to swallow. I would imagine so hard, especially after years of, of trying to advocate for yourself, trying to get this diagnosis, being told, you know, you're depressed. You, you just need to get used to having your period, whatever it was. And then to finally be told, okay, you have you know, stage two, is that right? At this yeah, time. it was at the beginning stages at that point. So stage yeah. one and two. Stage but one oh my two. gosh, those early days are such a whirlwind to me because oh, I was I gaslighted so much that... Yeah, yeah. Like, you were traumatized. Timeline, yeah. the exact time. I mean, it was just way too much. Like between the therapy appointments, the having to take like five 800 milligram ibuprofens every day just to function a doctor's oh. appointment every week just to be told, yeah, sorry, we don't know what's wrong with you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, could be endometriosis. If it is, here, take this Lupron shot. Not sure. And then finally, I'm like, please, please, I'll do anything. Mm. Seriously, help me. I know there's something wrong with me. Sex hurts too much. My periods are out of control. And I just feel nauseous all the time. So and sad. I'm not pregnant. Right. <laughs> that was the other thing. Right. All the pregnancy tests constantly. Oh. Doctors, are you pregnant? When's the last time you had sex? When's the time of your last period? And you're telling them for certain, like, I am on hormones. I don't get a period. When you're in your 20s, you're like, oh, what? It's just, it's very confusing for everyone. So up until the time I had that first surgery, it was just mayhem. I mean, I think I visited every doctor in my area. And when I would go to the emergency room for pain, the nurses knew me. (laughs) So... You know, but nobody knew what was wrong with me. It was just suspected endometriosis with uh, anxiety and depression and chronic pelvic pain. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's so disheartening to, I mean, I feel like it, it, in this, uh, I don't know, where we are as a culture, like that women, I believe, are still being not believed, shamed minimized for their, you know, symptoms and often written off as she's anxious, she's depressed. She which of course I'd be anxious and depressed if I had endometriosis and went through what you did. So that would make sense, but minimizing it to be like there isn't really something wrong with you. That's just Yeah. Oh. And being told you're hypersensitive and that you're a wimp mm. and just to rub some dirt on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's what I did. After my surgery, I healed. I was in a really kind of toxic relationship where he didn't even believe I had endometriosis. Oh, and no. He thought I was an attention seeker. So I really just brushed mm. it off. Like I pretended I didn't have it at all and I pretended nothing was wrong because I just. That's like, what I everybody kept telling you. That's what everyone kept telling me. And, you know, oh, well, she, she had endometriosis, but it's only stage one. And, you know, oh. she's taking hormones now. And they kind of thought that's what was wrong with her anyway. And, right. you know, so it didn't surprise anyone. But in a way, I just kind of was like, well, it's not going to get better. So I'm just kind of going to go about my life as if I didn't have endometriosis. Right. And what's crazy is that I did. I mean, I ended up breaking up with that guy, but... I got into law school. I got my BA in English from San Jose State. I was working. I mean, it was pretty good. I mean, I was functioning, but I was also walking around with a swollen belly. And I mean, I was seriously on so much ibuprofen per day. It was kind of crazy. Like at least five, 800 milligrams, just popping them like candy. Um, because I couldn't function without it. And, um, and then, uh, you know, they say in life that if you don't address your, uh, current condition and if you don't take care of yourself, it will become brutal enough to where you are forced to. (laughs) Right. Stop you in your tracks and you have no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So first year of law school, I'm kind of looking around, I'm, you know, doing good. I'm in class. I started bleeding like crazy, like a crazy amount. And so I get up, I slither to the bathroom 
And I just start, start vomiting. And my stomach was so bloated and I didn't have any period supplies on me. So I just shoved a bunch of paper towels in my pants and went back to class. Mm. was thinking it would stop and um finals were coming up and I just felt a stinging pain like a hot coker and I had been noticing that when I had been walking lately I was almost getting like nerve pain down my legs and shooting up my back so I started getting really scared I thought okay am I gonna bleed out but it stopped Hmm. but then I was spot bleeding the rest of the day and then the next day the same thing So I had such bad cramps a few days later, I ended up going to the ER and they didn't know what was wrong with me per usual. Right. So I'm in there on morphine, just looking at my belly and it feels hot and it feels swollen and you know, nobody bothered to give me an ultrasound or anything. They just were like, Oh yeah, you probably ate something bad. And they're like, no, she has endometriosis. It's a flare up. And that's the first time I had heard that term and endometriosis flare up. So I thought, okay, well, I guess it'll be fine. It's just a flare up. I got medical attention for it, but right. it kept happening. Ugh. And so, um, I went to the doctor. They didn't really know what was going on. So I just kind of continued forth. Finals were coming up and I got so sick. Oh my gosh. I got so sick. I took a property final. I got a D mm. and at the time the law school I went to didn't allow that. I got kicked out. <laughs> Oh my and, gosh. And um, they wouldn't overturn it because they didn't see my endometriosis as a disability. Wow. Oh. So I went to the doctor a couple of weeks after I was doing badly. He diagnosed me then with adenomyosis. So adenomyosis is like endometriosis's evil cousin coming over for the sleepover. Oh my gosh. So, so it's like when the whole, like your whole uterus is inflamed and it's characterized by the whole bleeding thing. Yeah. And yeah. it was random. Like if I moved, it, especially if I moved around too much, like if I ran or was carrying something heavy, forget it. Uh, I would. So anytime you were, right. Anytime you were stressing <laughs> your system, which I would imagine. Yeah. Law school wasn't probably great for it. (laughs) 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 Oh man! So you've you've been diagnosed with this other horrifying thing, right? And so at this point, right? I'm like, at this point, okay, I give up. Like, I have nothing. My whole career was taken from me. I had met a wonderful man in law school. I was like, well. I'm a loser. He's definitely never going to want to be with me now. You know, I'm just an overall failure. Like I couldn't do anything. After that, my body just shut down and I was bedridden. Like we're talking for weeks. I couldn't, I, I just, I was bleeding and I couldn't really move. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And then at that point, my only option was to go back on the Marina IUD that I had been on previously that I'd had the horrible experience with. Mm. So I did some soul searching. I had it inserted. And to my surprise, it actually helped after a few months. Mm. And I think what it did was it probably helped the overall inflammation in my uterus, but not necessarily my endometriosis that was at that point growing at multiple places in my body that I didn't know about. Right. It was weird. I went into the second doctor and he was amazing in the fact that he did diagnose me with adenomyosis, Mm -hmm. but 
he told me that my endometriosis was very minimal and was not causing really any pain. And he said, if I had concerns with that, I needed to go on Depo-Lupron. Again. You you can imagine at that point, I was very frustrated. And (laughs) I said, you know what? I really don't appreciate you telling me that my endometriosis is minimal. You haven't done surgery on me. If you want to see my endometriosis, I highly suggest you schedule me for a laparoscopy. Right. And if you want me to take Depo-Lupron, I think you should take it yourself since it was developed for men. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good for you for getting (laughs) pissed off. (laughs) He got so angry at me and, you know, I left. And Uh. the next time I went in, um, I went in for another checkup after I got my uh, Marina IUD inserted. And, you know, I was telling him, hey, I am getting the cystic acne again. I'm still uncomfortable and I still have this nerve pain. I'm like, it feels like there are shooting pains up my legs and up my hips when I walk and my stomach, like I haven't been able to eat. I was losing weight by that point pretty badly. Wow. And he was like, Sophia, he's like, I told you your endometriosis is very minimal. You don't have endometriosis that would cause these type of symptoms go to therapy oh man so at that point i left his office and i just it was the whole thing again am i crazy what what's happening he's like you have adenomyosis you're in pain it's gonna get better you're gonna be fine oh my gosh but again Um, this (laughs) message of like you're making this a bigger deal than it is yes and you know, and how dare you? I, I know what I'm talking about. And of course it wouldn't cause that. Mm. You know, have you thought about doing yoga? For some reason, doctors always resort to yoga. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I understand that. I understand the effects of yoga and calming the nervous system and stretching the muscles. Thank you. But we're talking about nerve pain. Right. Um, so he actually called me to apologize later that day, I think, because he realized it was kind of bad. But nonetheless, I, I still was not feeling well. I, I was still bedridden. I couldn't really do much. And one day I had a flare up so horrible that I actually thought I was having a heart attack. Oh no. I was driving and I called my boyfriend and I, who's now my husband. And I was like, Oh my gosh, my chest is seizing. You know, I can't, I can't, um, I can't feel my legs. Like I have this shooting pain and my stomach is so swollen. I'm like, I'm dizzy. He was like, oh my gosh. He's like, pull over. So we went to the ER <sighs> and my stomach was the most bloated I had ever seen it. They gave me about six hits of morphine that didn't even touch the pain. Oh, golly. And they told me that what had happened was that my endometriosis tissue likely was so inflamed that that inflammation had now spread to my kind of chest area and had inflamed my bones. And that's where the burning sensation was coming from and that it should go away in a couple of days. And, you know, that's when I kind of had had it. I started looking at uh, support groups because I thought, wow, there has to be someone out there that is dealing with this, who's being told that they don't have endometriosis, but they do. Or maybe I was thinking, is this fibromyalgia? 
what, sure, what could sure. this be? Yeah. You know, so I started reaching out to people and that's when I found Worldwide Endo March in Palo mm-hmm. Alto. And I started um, talking to them and vol- wanting to volunteer with them. Okay. I just wanted connection. I wanted to meet other people around me who also were having similar, similar issues because I was so bedridden at that point that I was like, Hey, I have to do something. I'm not working. I need to get involved in some way. And I started cataloging my symptoms and I volunteered with them at one of their endo marches and they actually offered me a position working with them. And so I got super involved with their organization and their founder, Dr. Cameron Najat, actually took me on as a patient. So mm. um, I, was, I was really, really happy, but yeah. I was also, I have to say, a little skeptical because right before he took me on as a patient, I had gone to see another specialist who had really good reviews who looked me in the eye and told me to go back to a pain psychiatrist to get on antidepressants again because I did not have conceivable endometriosis. Oh, gosh. gosh. (laughs) So I was coming off of that huge loss of once again being told there was nothing wrong with me. So I got extremely afraid that he was going to take one look at me and say, oh, no, you're an imposter. Get out of here. Of course. Right. Because that's what you've been told this whole journey. (laughs) Right. But, you know, we did the initial exam. He said, hey, I, you know, I did an ultrasound. He's like, you have so many like tender parts on your torso. He's like, let's, let's do a, let's do a laser excision. Let's use the CO2 laser and see what's going on in there. And he had been the first person who actually was like, yeah, let's do it. Like it was a nothing. Wow. Um, He's like, I think it's going to be successful. I think you have very severe endometriosis that Mm -hmm. other doctors can't see because they don't understand what your lesions look like. He's like, you have adenomyosis as well. He's like, it's, you know, slight, but it's, it's gonna, it could potentially get worse without the correct hormonal treatment. He's like, um, let me, let me take a look. So we scheduled it. And up until I, up until they knocked me out, girl, I will tell you, I was like, I was telling my, I was telling my family, I was like, what if there's nothing wrong with me? Oh what, my gosh. what if I'm just a big faker? Like, what if I am a hypochondriac? Right. What if all of this time everybody was right and I wasn't, right? Right. What if all this time what everyone's been saying has been true and oh. people are like, no, it's going to be okay. Oh. So I wake back up and I find out that I had the most severe stage of endometriosis oh. and that the pain level I was experiencing was uh, similar to walking on a broken leg for years. Wow. Oh and my gosh. that it looked like a bomb had gone off inside of my torso and it was everywhere. And it was a very kind of fine like tissue. So it was kind of hard to see. So I just, I'm happy that I had a specialist do my surgery who actually could identify where that tissue was and yeah. get as much out of it as you possibly could. Um, but the, 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 the advantage being that he s- has seen enough of it, he has done this procedure enough that he knows, he knew what to look for. He knew what to look for. And he, and he knew, believed you. <laughs> and he believed me. And that's the biggest thing is when you deal with this, 
no one believes you. They think you're an attention seeker or oftentimes they think you're lazy and just have no motivation and are depressed. And, Mm. you know, endometriosis is especially heartbreaking because you want to be involved in your family. You want to be the person to go above and beyond. And oftentimes we are, even when we're in pain. And the part about it that's heartbreaking is when you can't do it, when you are flaring, your family comes to see you as unreliable or can, but it's just not your fault. And Mm. eventually they come to know that, but just having that degradation in your self-confidence is pretty, pretty weird. Oh, yeah. Well, and so much of our you know, cultural uh, ideal of what womanhood should be like is that, you know, you don't talk about your periods, you're not messy about it, you're not in pain all the time, you're, you know, you're striving, you're working through it, you're managing all this stuff. And yet, like, plus, yeah, sex shouldn't be uncomfortable, and you shouldn't bloat to look like you're pregnant. And yet, like, this disease is causing all of these almost shaming messages about you as a person, plus you're being told, it's all in your head. Right. And then like the response to having painful sex is, oh, if it hurts, maybe you shouldn't be having so much sex or maybe you shouldn't be having sex. And it's like, Mm. what do you do when you're a grown woman and you want to explore that side of your life and to be told, oh no, it's okay. Just don't have sex. Like, would that be, or even worse? Oh, you know, I've heard that sometimes pregnancy cures endometriosis. Just try to get pregnant and maybe your body will figure it out. Like, I'm sorry. If a man was speaking to a doctor and was like, hey, it really, really hurts my dick to have sex. Yeah. Like, it's it's horrible. Like, it feels like a thousand daggers are going into it. Like, would they be like, oh, hey, I have a great idea. Why don't you stop having sex? But if you want to, how about you have a kid? Right. That could help even things out for you. Like the man would be like, "What do you mean? Like, who am I going to have a kid with? Right. How am I going to support that kid?" Or, or like, <laughs> how is that the answer? <laughs> right. Like, why do we get, why do we get stuck with that? Like, why is that acceptable for us? Like, mm. I don't know. Try getting pregnant. See what happens if you want to have sex. Mm. If you want to not have pain like that anymore. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you in your journey now? I know the surgery was relatively rec- recently. Is that right? The Yeah. Um, well, mm-hmm. it's been a little bit now. So I had my surgery, I want to say in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in July now. So you know what? I was doing really well for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, my pain was very, very manageable. Um, but I've been noticing in the last three months, um, it's, it's just, I'm not sure if it's the adenomyosis or perhaps if maybe I have some lesions mm-hmm. still remaining, but I've just noticed that my, my, my body just doesn't feel as good as it did right after I had surgery. You know, right after I had that surgery, it was weird. I think my body was so relieved. I healed perfectly. And mm-hmm. as somebody who had never been a runner or really ran a mile in their life, I started running four or five miles every day. I wow. felt great. I mean, um, but lately I've been noticing my nerve pain has been coming back and I have this one ovary. It's been giving me a really hard time. It oh. throbs and it's, it's kind of strange. My period or my periods went from really intense to being really zero now that I'm on Marina. Um, but 
it's almost like I still go through a full, really painful cycle these mm. last three months. So I've, I'm on day two of a pretty bad flare up. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate your being on the podcast with us. If that's oh my the case. gosh, no, of course, I was definitely happy for something to do, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little disheartening, but I just keep reminding myself that um, you know it has to get better, and I'm gonna you know try finding a um, doctor who can take me on and. Yeah. maybe kind of work with me a little bit more. Um, cause I think there's still a lot to unpack here and discover and a yeah. surgery, although it can help, it doesn't cure. And one thing we do know about endo is that it does come back. So, you know, right. you just have to be really kind and patient with yourself and mm. really find ways to be flexible when you're in pain and be super productive when you're not in pain. And yeah, you know, that's kind of how it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so if, if there were, um, if, are there resources or tips that you feel like it would be important for the audience to know about? Oh, gosh. Um, probably more than I can say. I mean, so there's a lot of resources out there. I, so when I was doing my work with Endo March, I really wanted to create a space where women could talk about, or an, an Endo Warrior, you know, mm -hmm. any, anything um, really stigmatized about this disease, anything from, you know, oh my gosh, I got too much morphine at the ER and now I'm totally bugged out. What do I do to, hey, this is day 20 of my period. Wow. <laughs> what do I do? to, yeah. oh my gosh, hey, does anybody know anything about using cannabis for pain relief to, I've had a yeast infection for three months. You know, yeah. I, yeah. nobody talks about it. And I think we have to, you know? Uh, um, so there was very limited, limited information on things I think that are usable because there's a clinical definition, there's the Wikipedia definition, but we don't really know how up to date any of that is. So doing the nonprofit work, inspired me to kind of reach out beyond that. So if you are new to endometriosis or if you are think you might have it, I'd say your first thing to do is look on Facebook for groups and ask to join a group mm. and really look at what people are going through in there. That's where I started and it inspired me to create a Facebook group and an Instagram because a lot of the groups, there's a lot of different... One of the beauties about endometriosis is there's so much diversity and so many people treat it in different ways, you know? So kind of seeing what works for some people versus what definitely doesn't work and having a place to post and ask questions. Hey, does anyone else deal with this? Does anyone else deal with this? Uh, the answer is yes. And having that confidence to actually have the, the, <laughs> the bandwidth to do a search when you are having symptoms like this is just to be applauded because it's really courageous. It's being able to be like, Hey, I actually am going through this and it's not in my mind. Somebody right. else has to be too. So don't be afraid to search and research. Mm. And, um, if you are a new patient, don't stop with one doctor, go see every doctor in your area and doctors who don't believe you just scrap them and remember who they are. Because oftentimes if you ever find an endo warrior in your area, they'll have a very similar experience. And the most important thing is finding allies with this disease. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. And so how do people find you, Sophia? Oh, oh my gosh. 
you can find me on Instagram at Endo Goddess Club. I'm on there every day you know, <laughs> on my flare-up days. So come say hi. And there's also a Facebook group up still in progress. It's called Endo Goddess International, but it's going to be switching to Endo Goddess Club soon. As soon as I figure out how to work all my websites. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for spending this time with us today, especially if you're having a flare-up, but also just for doing this a second time since we've already been through this. But, you know, I just appreciate your honesty and your willingness willingness to share your story. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure and I'm just so happy that you guys are here to give all different types of women a voice and to be heard and oh, it's just yeah. it's kind of amazing what you guys are doing. So, thank you for the work you do. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, good luck with your journey and uh we'll check back in I hope soon. Yes, I think we will. Okay, have a great day. You too. I really appreciated Sophia's openness and honesty around her journey with endometriosis. I know it can be an incredibly difficult process in getting diagnosed. And how often women's medical concerns are minimized or ignored is just truly frustrating that it's continuing to happen even today. Once again, thank you all for tuning in and listening. Uh, If you haven't, I would love it if you would leave a review in Apple Podcasts. It helps get the word out there, the podcast episode out there to all other potential listeners. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Warriors. If you'd like to connect with Sophia on social media, if you're struggling with endometriosis yourself, know that your concerns are real. You can find her, and I'm providing the links in the show notes to her social media pages. I hope that you all have a fantastic week. If you're here on the East Coast, we are suffering through some miserably hot, humid weather, but I hope wherever you are, you're feeling cool and calm and collected. Ciao for now from this woman warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.